welcome to um, a new episode of Girl Uninterrupted. Um, today we have a really cool episode. I have Deborah Tone here with me. Um, she's the CEO <laughs> and founder of Black Girls in Fashion. Hi, Deborah. Hi. <laughs> um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you here. So today we're going to be talking about a really important concept called uh, keeping resilience in your passion and kind of how to keep pushing along, how to, you know, overcome these obstacles, how not to get discouraged. So kind of wanted to start it off with um, just the basic, how was, you know, Black Girls in Fashion founded and what really mm -hmm. inspired you to create the platform? So um, to be honest, it wasn't like, I didn't have like, an experience I was like oh wow I'm having like this epiphany I'm, I'm going to build this platform named Black Girls in Fashion I think for me it was it was kind of like just happened in an organic way I was gearing up for London Fashion Week in 2018 and I was looking for some um ex for some uh what's it called um outfit like style inspo because I always like to dress up when I go to Fashion Week I like to make a statement and I specifically wanted to find black women and look at the different black women's style like throughout London Fashion Week. And so I went on Pinterest, Google, and actually mainstream media never ever covers black women with like during that period. Um, so I was, when I looked, when I was doing my research, it was always the same like four or five fashion editors um, that worked at like major fashion brands and um, major magazines. So it was like, okay, well, what other types of women are, are out there that work within the fashion industry? And that's when that idea began to form. And so that was actually like a week before Fashion Week. So I was like, okay, great. I'm going to call it Black Girls in Fashion. And I, before I, I named it that, I actually did some research. And I was very surprised to find out that this wasn't an idea or a concept that anybody had ever thought of to kind of tailor a specific um, to, to take a specific like um, part of fashion and tailor it to the black female creative demographic. Um, so there was really no spaces, no safe havens um, for us to come together to thrive and to really like um, connect within the fashion industry. Right. So from that, I had put a team together and um, of a, a main photographer, two social media editors and myself and we hit the streets of London Fashion Week and we found some amazing women. We found black female um, creative directors, art directors, casting directors, girls. There was a, a, an amazing experience that we had as we were interviewing these women. And I stopped this young lady to have her, her, her picture taken. She was very, her style was very quirky. It was very out there. She had um, uh, platinum blonde, um, braids with the pink tips yeah. and I was like damn like you really came out <laughs> to, and it was insane it's like we we um throughout that time we captured a lot of video footage we captured um women with their unique styles so when we were interviewing this girl she actually was like one of my favorite inspirations and she was like I asked her you know so what brings you to fashion week why are you out here and she said oh oh you know I'm just here to watch my girls walk and I was like, hmm, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and she was like, well, I have my own modeling agency and my girls, my models have been booked by London Fashion Week. 
And I was gobsmacked that I was like, you know, okay, you're a young 22 year old black female working in fashion and you managed to set up your own modeling agency and to be accredited by somebody as big as London Fashion Week. The, you know, that's, that's huge. Right. Like where are the representation for that within the British fashion industry? So it kind of, the, the black girls in fashion brand then, began to develop further. So then we began to look into putting events together. How can we connect, you know, the young, creative, um, aspiring uh, future entrepreneurs of the fashion industry together with the women who are at the top or at midway levels or at, uh, you know, managing and leadership roles. Like how can we connect the two um, and basically create a platform that celebrated black women within fashion? So that's right. how it started initially. So how did you go about putting the events together? How did you go about, um, you know, uh, reaching out to people to be on your team? You know, what was the main platform that you used? Mm -hmm. So, um, so as I said, as we initially started, I really used Fashion Week because we started on the first day, London Fashion Week, September 2018, and we built our network from the women that we worked, that we spoke to and stopped and took pictures of. I connected with them on a personal level. You know, it was face to face. It was that, this is my idea. This is what I'm creating for us. And I was able to build that connection with them from the start. And I've had, our community is like now over 2000 followers strong. And um, in, for me, it was kind of like, I wanted to build, organic um an organic following i wanted to to build a network of women who understood me who who met me who spoke to me and understood the idea and the concept behind this this safe haven that we were creating for them so my connections i was able to build from the ground up um and they've been very very loyal and they're still with us right Um, so when it came down it was like you know we were creating we managed to encapsulate people through the content that we created. We were talking about the harder hitting subjects. We were actually highlighting other black females that worked across all levels of the fashion industry. So we were giving them a platform to shine. And I believe that's, that's how we were able to properly capture our demographic and our audience so that they knew that this was specifically for us, is to represent us and visualize our work so that the next generation can see how the positive impact of having black women within this space. Right. Putting things together, I am technically a one woman show right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've experienced so many challenges, Um, challenges even from the start, like when I'm putting together um, people for the teams to attend fashion week, you know, black girls in fashion, um, has now attended four London Fashion Weeks, and for next uh, for next for uh, the next season in September, I'm highly considering potentially going to Paris mm-hmm. um, or Milan, depending on whether they're going to um, with the pandemic, whether they will have it a physical space or if they're going to do it digitally. Either way, excuse me, <laughs> I still would like to, um, you know branch out um, into other capitals of the fashion industry. But having said that, it comes with a lot of hard work. I have had 
unfortunately experiences where you know I have put calls calls out to um, you know for potential jobs to come and work as a social media editor for me or photographer for London Fashion Week and these are I like to give girls who don't have a lot of experience or are building their portfolios that experience so that they can say you know nobody else is really going to give you that you know a, that experience at that level especially right. something at for London Fashion Week. So right. I'm like, I'm sure <laughs> um, so for me, it was important that I was giving back in a way that was going to be um, productive and useful for them moving forward, moving right. on from the house of fashion. But there have been times where I've hired the wrong person. Right. And they didn't fulfill what was in the contract or what we agreed they you know they actually couldn't deliver what they said that they right. could and it was just a such a disappointment where you know for instance I had hired a photographer specifically said what I wanted what I was looking for um and that I wanted them to because we are trying to create a documentary so I needed like beautiful imagery visual like you know videography of the true representation that is at London Fashion Week. Right. And, you know, she arrived on the day, she wasn't fully prepared. Um, I'd already given her like a, a brief, I'd already given like, given her all of the information that she needed. And I also linked her to all of the work that we've done, which is completely on Instagram, is completely on, on social mm -hmm. media. So you can see stories back into like interviews that we've done. Um, with ed editors-in-chief of magazines and stuff. Right. It's all for everybody to see what we're about. And I guess that person did not do their due diligence and their research. So they were not fully prepared. And in the end, I had to fire that person on the day. And, I, and then it fell down to myself and two other assistants that I had to really save that day in terms of generating the content. It is a lot of work. We, it is a lot of running around especially when it comes to um events as well right you know i have i i take i wear many many hats um with this business with this platform and at times it does get draining for me and right. i have to remind myself i have to take time out so these are just some of the challenges that on a personal level i'm like oh like i wish i could just you know at the black girls in fashion is not the stage where we're making um huge sums of money but we're trying to get that stage, we're trying to get to that stage through like sponsorships and partnerships. Um, so as we grow, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm able to attain more opportunities that can really put black girls in fashion out there um, so that we can then begin to, to build that financial support that we also need in order to scale our business. Right. You mentioned that you really prioritized organic growth. Um, what advice would you give, you know, women who are trying to start out, women that, you know, have, are also trying to build their business from the ground up organically, but, you know, they're being lured to the paid growth side where they have to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, get those false followers to look cool and like all these yeah. things what kind of advice would you give to them and you know how would you advise them to mold their thinking into slow and steady except for you know in, instead of rapid 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 let's look cool let's have 50,000 followers but only have 10 likes on the you know post mm -hmm. 
Um, I think the first thing you need to think about is your intention. What is your intention with your business? What do you intend to, uh, who do you intend to serve and how do you intend to serve that person or those people? Um, secondly, have a core, like let, let's say have like a few core pillars of, you know, what your brand stands for um, and think about and like be very um, assertive in your tone and um, the content that you create, be very authentic. Right. Um, people, even if it's like, for example, like, okay, Black Girls in Fashion only, only focuses on the um, reclaiming Black excellence for, for women who are powered by fashion, for Black women who are powered by fashion. That is our tagline. That is our focus, right. you know? Um, so we, we were able to bring people, draw people in based on that focus that we have. It's specifically targeted to them with the intention to provide them the skills, the toolkits, the safe space, and the ability to connect with um, their professional counterparts. So these are like the core things that I focused on when building that traction um, for my business and building that platform. Um, I really also focused heavily on my content, right. heavily, heavily. I never ever repost, I might have one or two, <laughs> but <laughs> never ever repost other people's um, quotes or other people's work or other people's imagery. Black Girls in Fashion exclusively owns its own um, imagery. All the, all the images that we have is ours. All the videos that we have is ours. We are very intentional in the information and the content that we put out. Um, and that also adds to the authenticity um, and to the intrigue of it and to the mystery of, wow, like these are really, you're, like we're separating ourselves from the rest. Right. Um, we're not giving you information that is um, regurgitated you know you might see like the same quotes over and over again you know I'm very intentional in the in the like let's say for example um daily we I do daily quotes quotes and there was one that I did for um re, for the most recent events that have been happening with BLM and COVID-19 and because of the issues of um, BLM, we've seen a rise in black businesses seeing, um, you know, financial support, you know, backing from other people who, from other demographics who wouldn't usually use those services or products. And I've been fortunate enough to be, um, you know, a part of that group of people who've benefit, benefited from it. So I've generated, like, for example, quotes that say black women are about to be the most sought after demographic. Right. Because it's true. I have now done, I think this week I did a webinar with Tide Banking here in the UK, which is um, a banking service for small business owners and entrepreneurs. And I actually teamed up with them for our launch event. So it's like, I'm also, you know, the work that I do, the things that I create that are unique to me are bringing me other opportunities. So, and it's not easy. I have seen people who, I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to toot my horn, but I'm yeah. just, I've seen people who potentially might not have been put in the, you know, as much, putting in that hard work the way I was, do way better than me and right. scale up way faster than me. But I have to be intentional with my business um, because it will bring me, I'm not trying to have, um, I'm not trying to uh, uh, gain partnerships or, 
um, clout, let's say, mm-hmm. <laughs> off of, um, you know, generic things. It has to be unique to my demographic. Is it beneficial for them? How does it work for us? Um, so, yeah. So that's what All I have right. to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, you, so to switch gears a little bit, you mm-hmm. mentioned um, representation in the fashion industry mm-hmm. or rather underrepresentation. Um, have you personally experienced any discrimination in the industry? Um, you know, whether it be a small microaggression to like a really full on obvious instance. And if you have, how have you dealt with that? And then what would you want others who are kind of going through the same thing to take away? And how would you want them to kind of be molded from that? I, um, so in the beginning when I, um, I've actually stepped back from working directly within the fashion industry. So I'm a jewelry maker and product developer for um, women's wear brands and um, uh, atelier based accessory companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've worked at Zana Bain in New York. I've worked with Ericsson Beeman. Um, They've now, I think they've gone like um, bankrupt at the moment or something. I don't know. (laughs) But they were absolutely amazing at the time. They used to be worn by Beyonce, Madonna, everybody. Um, so I've worked with some amazing brands and I would have to say that that's not the ones that I've mentioned, but other brands that I've worked at, I did experience microaggressions. You know, I did experience having to validate my experience within the industry because I was a black woman, right. because it was like, oh, well, how did you get this job? You know, I once had somebody um, ask me, oh, um, so you know you said you worked at this particular um, company and I said yeah and they were like oh what year was that and I was like "Mm, why (laughs) and they're like oh because my friend works in the design department and I mentioned you to them and they don't remember ever seeing or hearing of you right and I just thought to myself um wow yeah (laughs) like so you're I mean I just thought I, I wasn't understanding why she felt that was okay to, to make number one to undermine all the hard work that I've, I've gotten to even get that job. Cause I beat out a hell of a lot of people to that right. position. And number two, I was in a completely different department, which was production and we were on the different floors. So, and number three, it's like, I, you hired me to be a part of this team. Right. You right. did not think you had, I have my references on there. Um, you you can check up on my, you know, you can call them up, email them, and they'll give you all the information that you need. I think for me, it was kind of like, I did, I didn't look like the type of person that would fit, that would be right. within them. So right. they had to kind of like, in they had to pry a little bit just to get a bit more information. Like, are you really who you say you are? Do you really know what you're doing? And do you really have the experience um, that's on your CV? Right. Um, I think also... Speaking of CVs, they've been moments where I have gone to interviews and my name is Deborah Tone. It doesn't sound, um, it's racially ambiguous, you know, like you cannot tell what race I'm from because my name sounds like I could be English and French because Tone is French. So I've walked into interviews and they're like, hi, yes, how can we help you? And I'm like, well, I'm here for an interview. My name's Deborah Tone. And they were like, Deborah Tone. And I'm like, yeah, you're expecting me? And they were like, oh my God. 
like doing a double take on the CV and then looking at me and then do, and like, there is no picture on my CV. You're just going to have to believe me that my name is Deborah. Oh my God. Um, just silly things like that. And I think one of the worst ones for me was uh, working for a, a, a PR studio um, um, company that was it PR? a studio company that basically um, would sell international brands that they held to British and um, buyers. So like Harrods, um, Selfridges, the buyers would come down. We would book um, the appointments with them and and show them through the work, the you know the designers that we had to stock for that season. And um, so this particular woman had hired me. And, you know, she was like, oh, my God, like after like they decided that they were going to have me, they were like, you know, you were by far the most experienced um, applicant that we had. You know, we were a little bit um, apprehensive because because you have so much experience. You know, we don't want you to feel like you're bored at this job. And I was like, no, I'm testing different things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of in that moment where I'm pivoting my business. So I want to try different things. So they were like, okay, great. Um, there was a time this my manager was somebody that spewed microaggressions. Oh, it was God. so prevalent in her that at times it was just outright open aggression. It was just aggressive. Right. And right. she would sit right opposite me because I had to assist her. And there was a day where she turned to her left and she spoke to the assistant next to her and was like, well, I like my assistants to be Polish. What? <laughs> So why did you hire the educated black girl to do the job for you then? <laughs> and why did you tell me I was the most? <laughs> why did you oh tell my me God. the most experienced applicant you ever had? I'm I'm confused, and not just that, but I think she was also irritated at the fact that I asked for more money than what the previous assistant was actually getting. So when I saw the previous assistant's contract, I was like, damn! Mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, I did that. <laughs> 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 because I was like, wow, I can't believe I, I, I managed to get money and you don't like me. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I was, I think that experience, it was, it was that and there were other things that she would say. Um, I remember um, her saying also my, um, funny enough, the owner of the business was a black British Nigerian man. Right. And mm -hmm. he was, prior to me, he was the only black person within the company. And um, so she, he was going for a business meeting in Germany and one of the days that he wasn't there, she said, and I, it, when I think back to it now, I'm like, oh my God, she was talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't, it just didn't compute in my brain because I was doing my work. And she turned to the, to the assistant again, to the same assistant and said, the last time, um, you know, the owner, the founder went on holiday for business, um, I fired one of his assistants. And I was like... Mm -hmm. But it, it was just, it was just something that I caught, but because I was in the moment of doing my job, I yeah. didn't, didn't sink in until then, like a few days later, where all of that had just bubbled up and I was having an exit meeting and an, an exit interview because I had enough. And she, in the meeting, she was like, and I was saying to her, you know, she said to me, um, you know, you, you work so hard, you know, I can't fault you in the way that you work. You're very concentrated. You come in on time, you know, you get the work done. I ask you to do things. You write down every single thing verbatim what I say. And that's very, very impressive. But as you know, you know, we're like a family here and um, I just don't feel like you fit in 
within this family. And um, so it's not, it's nothing to do with your work. You know, I just don't feel like you've managed to gel well with the team, despite the fact the team will go on lunch and not invite me, despite the fact that wow in the studio. And that's why I was so concentrated on my work because I was like, well, if I can, <laughs> I've got nothing else to do other than to do my work because you guys aren't really engaging with me. You know, they would talk about their shows that they watch and it's, it's nothing that I would usually watch. Yeah. On a day, on a day. <laughs> so I don't even know how to like, how to, yeah yeah opposites but um so in so after she said that to me I was just I was bubbling inside because to me it was clear that obviously it was personal it wasn't professional it was on a personal basis and I just remember saying to her as calmly as possible like boiling inside but I was like um so what you're telling me is that this has nothing to do with my professionalism. You've just said that you cannot fault me in the way that I work, which means that I'm actually a very good employee at this business, at this company. However, you, for personal reasons, do not like me. Is that what you're telling me? And she's like, oh, well, you don't have to be angry about it. Oh my God. At this point, it was just so mind blowing. I was like, how could you be? And it's like a little, like inside of me, I was like, okay, I can't even contain my anger right now. And I was just like- I don't like, even know how you were so calm. Oh my <laughs> I God. Was, I, was really, I was really calm, but I was like, this is very un- uncalled for and un- un- unfounded. Um, and you're basically dismissing me for no reason, really. And she's like, oh, you know, but you don't have to be angry about it. You know, I know you're upset right now. Like, I know you're upset. And I just thought, you know what, I can't at this point. So from that experience, I actually ended up taking a step back from working directly within the fashion industry because it was such, um, I had never experienced anything like that. And it's going to be 10 years next year. And I'd never experienced anything at that level. And I just needed some time to step back and rethink about why I wanted to work in fashion. What was it that I loved about fashion? And what I came to the conclusion was, I still do love working in production. I still do love developing accessories, but I can always do that with independent brands who have a strong core community-based mm-hmm. values, um, who, are, who also encourage healthy workplace cultures because you also need to be mindful of the don't be one one advice i'd give is do not be afraid to be willing to step back if somewhere if a company does not treat you right as an employee if they do not provide healthy working culture or healthy working environment you need to leave because ultimately that will affect you mentally as well yeah mentally and physically and it will stop you Um, from doing what you actually love. It will stop that passion that you have, especially in fashion, especially in fashion. So I had to take that step back for myself and um, re-strategize my energy and what companies I actually wanted to work with. Um, And I kind of went from there. Um, And also like, you know, building the space, the company that I want to work in. I wanted to build that for myself. Like since I can't find it, I'll just build it for myself. Right. That your story is 
I mean, that's just crazy. Like to think that that happened and that you, so what you did was essentially repeat back to her what she was implying and she got mad at you for saying it out loud. Yeah. That's crazy. Basically. I mean, just think about how many people or how many black women are going through the same exact thing, and, mm. but they don't know how to, you know, how to turn that situation around or if that happens to them, they don't know how, you know, to react and like, you know, yeah. how to stand up for themselves, especially in like an environment such as fashion, you know, so... Mm-hmm. I think at times you have to really spell it out for them in terms of their behavior. Um, I think in, in also just to go back a little bit to the person who had asked me if I'd really worked at that place, excuse me, (laughs) I had actually said to her, so are you um, insinuating that I am lying about my work experience? And immediately they got on the defensive. Right. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that my friend doesn't remember you. But why did you ask your friend about me? Yep. You know, are there reservations that you have against me or against my, my, you know, my working experience, my truth? Right. And you, when you do that, you automatically, automatically put them on the spot. They have to think about what they've just said to you. Yep. Wow. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I do believe that I think I've been tougher as well as the years have gone on. I never used to say anything. When it used to happen to me, I would just be like, do you know what? Just be grateful that you're here. Yeah. And that's, and that's the kind of mentality that they want you to have. Yep. In many brands, not all of them, like a lot of them are beginning to change their culture, the way they work with, you know, minority people, black people, Asian people. They're beginning to change that mindset but there are still a few that work, work within that way. Right. And, um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go over. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll jump to the last question because I really want to cover it. But um, speaking of, you know, them changing their culture, trying to become more aware of these companies, you know, what are your thoughts about the current Black Lives Matter movement? I know a lot of companies in every single industry have, you know, updated their websites. Here's our new mission. Yeah. Here's our new diversity team. Here's our this. And it's like, it's great on one level that they're creating these things. But mm-hmm. do you think that some of these companies are more performative? Do you think that, you know, let's just say a big company is trying to, you know, quote unquote, save face because they don't want to mm-hmm. seem intolerant? But on the inside, their executives are like, we really couldn't care less. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely believe that the BLM movement has, is both a blessing and a curse in itself. You have to um, be mindful of the brands who have never really truly represented for people that look like you. Right. Um, and be clued up. Well, who has actually been doing the work and who is just jumping on the bandwagon? Um, I will give you an example of a few weeks ago where well, I think it was like early last month when we were doing the, the blackout. So everybody was posting their black squares on Instagram in support of BLM. And um, a friend of mine who actually works as a shipping manager for a fashion brand messaged me in the morning and said, look, Deborah, my brand wants to do the, the black tile, you know, 
I don't know. Do you think it's a good idea? You work in, you know, you, you're doing social media, you do marketing. Like, what do you think? And I went on their social media page. I had a look and I only in the like four or five years that they'd been present on Instagram, they only had three black models. Wow. I advised her against it. I said, as somebody that works on social media a lot and I do the digital marketing and blah, 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 this is probably not a good look for them unless they are willing to donate money to the causes and then say, look, in, in, um, sorry, one second. (laughs) (laughs) My phone's ringing. I'm so sorry. Um, in solidarity with black lives matter movement, we have now donated uh, money to this particular charity, um, and also supporting black businesses, um this is like you can find more information do this do, donate that bloody blah, blah, blah like that's what i advised her and i said to her don't put any um you know ad- additionals just keep it nice and subtle and and sweet because your company is not very representative of um all people of, of you know all people globally um they're not diverse in their brand it's and it's very visible that they're not diverse so be subtle about it so I helped her create a caption that was very simple and it, it really worked. Like it, we, they posted it and it was great. The next day, um, and this goes to show what businesses are actually truly about the change and, and helping the, um, you know, advance within this, this issue of, of, you know, supporting black businesses and the BLM movement and which ones aren't. The next day I had checked and they ch- completely changed the caption Wow. And in addition, they had added five um, different colored fists in the mm-hmm. caption. And I just thought, I guess they felt it wasn't black enough for you, for them. Wow. You know? I guess they even at that stage were number one, you're not even a social media person at that business. You're the shipping manager right. and you're a black woman. So they gave you that job. You know, they were like, I remember her saying to me that, you know, they just came to me, were like, you know, we think that you'd be the best person to do this and da-da-da. <laughs> she was like, I work in shipping. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just that, but also you, you by, by you changing the caption and adding all these additional things that weren't needed, right. you are discrediting um, the work that this black woman has now done for you. It's it's also saying, you know, well, the work you did wasn't good enough. We're not happy with this. Right. We're going to go in and, and redo it for you. And then the way that you did it was just so insensitive. It was just offensive. And like, you don't have one black, like the only black person on your team works in shipping. Right. That person doesn't work in marketing. They don't do, they don't run the campaigns when you're doing the shoots. They don't, you know, they're not a part of the styling team. It was just, it was, that was blatantly performative. You know, there was also another case where um, there was this uh, business who wanted to be more diverse, but they didn't have one black um, creative on their team. So the owner was asking if um, it would be offensive to ask a friend of theirs to be a part of the shoot to make it seem as though (laughs) the company is diverse but it's like but I was like okay but that person doesn't work at your business right so that falsely advertising um that you're diverse when you're not because that person doesn't work for you and also that's very insulting (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) um 
so sorry I forgot what your question was but th those are my those are like no yeah that answered the question really well <laughs> um yeah I mean I that was really interesting to hear because you know as someone who also works in the ad industry mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of you know brands alter their messaging I've seen a lot of yeah. brands you know try to um change the way that they're approaching social media, change the way that they're approaching hiring, approaching all that kind of stuff. But there's little indicators that are like, you're only doing this for performance sake and not yeah. because you actually care. So, yeah. so just as a final, you know, uh, question, what tips or what from your opinion would would be best for a brand that's up and coming for anyone that's listening to this that works at a big brand what would be best in order to help support the blm movement um in more of a per like non-performatory way in a way that will actually make an impact uh whether that's from education donation or anything like that yeah i mean i would say there are a few so i'd say like three there are ways in which you can do that that isn't so visible um so kind of like hey like we're working we're doing this is there are a lot of um with, especially within the fashion industry you can donate to um adding like for example here in the uk we've now launched a black curriculum um uh, there's like a black curriculum page on instagram brilliant um company that are actually trying to have black um what's it called uh like black history added mm -hmm. into schools here as part of the curriculum mm -hmm. so that black mm -hmm. students can begin to understand you know that the heritage uh you know the black community's heritage within business right. you know within mm -hmm. science mathematics you know we can um understand get to you know push the generation more into thinking about things like tech, like who are black inventors, who, who was the black, um, the very first black um, fashion seamstress, um, you know, things like that. Like you can actually donate and invest within uh, initiatives like that, but that isn't so performative, but it's also, you could also be, um, you know, a patron to these, um, you know, to these initiatives, to these movements. Um, or even work within, work as partners or sponsors to, let's say, for example, example like platforms like Black Girls in Fashion. You know, Tide Banking is one of my um, longer standing relationships. You know, they've been here from the initial, um, our initial launch um, event last September for Fashion Week. Um, and they, so basically I partnered up with them as part of their 100,000 women's initiative. They are trying to help 100,000 um, female led businesses by 2022. Mm -hmm. So I was a part of that, uh, a part of that partnership with them it was actually long term. So I was also brought on a few days ago to be part of their um, uh, race in business talk to talk about my experience as well. So they also giving me a platform to for other businesses to hear me and hear the story. Um, and this this partnership is actually long term. And that's what I would really, really say for somebody who's trying to set up their business or set up their brand. If you want to connect and make that network and build your network within the industry, you need to look for the, you know, 
longer standing partnerships with companies that truly have, um, you know, black or female led businesses at their core of their, of their, um, what do you call it? You know, of co- at the core of their initiative. Yeah. They, I don't believe in working with somebody with a brand just because they have a, a large following or just because they have a large reach. That is when you think about, you have to think about the impact. Black girls in fashion has grown as a community, but our numbers on social are quite small in comparison mm-hmm. to another major brand, like let, another major you know, media platform, like let's say Bustle UK that are in the, the thousands, you know, in the tens of thousands. Um, my impact has, is very, very visible within my immediate and extensive communities. I am making a steady, um, a steady, a steady flow of influence within my industry. And I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm very intentional with the brands that I work with um, because I have to make sure that everything aligns. Right. It, needs to, it needs to be in alignment with my intentions for the business and for the community because they are at the core of why I do what I do. Right. Why, why I do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, don't worry. Um, so yeah, I think that those are the tips that I would give on that. Great. I, those are great. Um, this was a really great conversation. I'm so happy we are recording this. Um, so thank you so much, Deborah, for coming on the podcast. Um, we, I will leave Deborah's Instagram handles and everything good like that, um, in the show description. But thank you so much, Deborah. Um, no worries. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I hope you guys, you know, in, take my tips and add them into like your businesses and everything that you're doing. Yes, I'm, sh- I'm sure everyone will. Don't worry. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing tips.